Joe Snedeker is a Simpson native and former Carbondale area school teacher who now spends his days as a meteorologist at WNEP. Sounds good so far. And Joe recently completed his 26 Go Joe bike ride. Sounds good. Raising much needed funds for the St. Joseph Center. Welcome Ed. to the News Engine Podcast. That's Joe. the big intro. That's I thought the big this intro. would be this big five paragraph. My 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 education, my my list of credentials. Well, since we're letting people look under the hood here, when I said to you, Joe, I need a bio, <laughs> you you directed me to the WNEP website, which which spends the first five minutes of the bio describing you getting hit in the head with a swing because you were looking at a bug in the That's grade a true school. Story. And then it, it, I could tell it was true because you update it throughout the bio. You the, the bump on the head eventually clears up. <laughs> And then uh, yada, 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 you somehow get your wife to marry you. Yes. But it, there's my life. I'll that's see you a, later. Yeah, that's, anyway. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> well, the funny part is. That's Joe Snedeker. The re- 30 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, have a nice day. <laughs> the reason I stopped you during the bio, because I really, here's the problem that I have my whole life. Short attention span. So if you had a long bio, I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm glad it was short. I'm mocking the fact that it was short, but I'm thrilled it was short. So when you, you say short attention span, so in in a weird way, meteorologists, where they throw the show or the broadcast over to you for, I'm guessing, what, four or five, six minutes? Yeah. That's perfect for you. Oh, God, Six yeah. minutes, is that six minutes pushing it for I, you? No, you no, because, uh, <laughs> boy, this is going to sound narcissistic. When, when it's me doing something, I'm, I'm not, I, I try not to bore myself, so I can go on and I can do a 20-minute forecast. It's just uh, other things and other people bore me. I don't want to sound like a jerk. I'm just being honest. So if I let you out in the backyard and I say, Snedeker, okay. just just start talking about the weather or whatever it is that comes in your mind. You can go an hour. I can, I can fill an hour. I, you know, I don't even doubt that. I, I, I'm with you for five Maybe minutes. Three. Maybe three. I, I'm with you for five minutes and I can tell you can go an hour. And and now now in, in when you when you watch television or movies about um, uh, broadcasting or, or television show. There's always a guy who's like, you know, making the, the cutting cut, uh, cut, yeah, cut, across, cut. His, across his neck. Are you constantly getting that? Or is someone get, in your constantly, ear? Constantly, constantly. In your ear, Joe, wrap and it up. That's been my, my, the curse for producers and directors at WNEP is that I go long. Wrap There's it up, ne- Joe. Yeah, wrap it up. Never a stretch. Oh my God, never. <laughs> never. Never. And when you I never heard stretch, the word if stretch. something fails during the newscast and they say, you got to fill two minutes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but I love meteorology so much and the and the story of it and the science of it. I'm so interested in it. I could talk for hours about it. Now I don't know if that grabs other people's attention, but no, I can go on and on. I love it. You're very passionate about it, and you know, let me let me ask you if this is fair because I I I notice this while you do your broadcasts. I think if you were to look at you, you your first reaction would be, he's a funny guy. He's an entertaining guy. (laughs) Um, but I actually don't think you're going for humor. I think you're passionate. I think oh. I think what what you're doing is you're so into the weather and you're so passionate about about meteorology uh, that it what a lot of us see as funny or or hyper. You're just energetic. You're just really into meteorology. Oh God, yeah, and I feel like I need a couch here now. You're giving me some free therapy. <laughs> I don't know what the answer to your question is. I do love it. I'm not I, even sure it was a question. <laughs> But I am a goofy, silly guy, too, at the same time. But you're right. I'm not trying to be funny. The, the reason I interject jokes, I think, is to uh, I hate seriousness in any form. So I try to lighten the load for me and for others. And I try to keep it entertaining. 
Because if I just did the science of it, people would be like, oh my God, enough already. So if I throw a joke in, I didn't pre-plan it. It's just my personality. And I, hey, this is great. Let me make fun of this thing or myself. Are you, are you, are you a real visual guy? Cause I, I yes. noticed when you, yeah, yes. when, when you do your thing, you're like, you know, uh, a, a storm front is moving in and, and it looks like a sheep or something. <laughs> and you're always, and, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this is a guy who stares at clouds all day. You're, you're one of those guys, aren't you? You're well, and at I cloud think I'm and- projecting through myself. I am so easily bored by everything <laughs> that I've, I'm always in fear of boring other people. So when I do my forecast, I get all those clip arts in, in pictures of celebrities and vacuum cleaners and interject them in the forecast because I'm like, oh my, I, I treat the world like they're me. Like, they're going to be bored to death. I got to make this exciting. <laughs> so you're doing the broadcast you'd like to see. Yes, I guess you're right. Yes. I'm like, come on, I got to spice this up. If you're going to tune into the weather, it, it, it should be someone who's doing something along the lines of what you're doing. I'm not saying that, but that's my reasoning. And when I see other meteorologists or forecasters on TV... And they'll say, oh, here's the temperature map. And I'm like, it's 43 in Archibald. It's 73 in Pottsville. And they go over every town. I'm like, are you nuts? (laughs) We can see the temperatures on the map. Don't be saying that. Move on to something exciting. Right. Let let the map do the talking. Let the map do the talking. Get to the good (laughs) stuff. Why are you telling me what the temperature is town by town? Oh, my God. Joe, I have to ask you a serious question. I'm leaving. On August 21st, 2001, my wife and I were going to go for a walk and you said it was going to be sunny, but it rained. Wait, you remember this day <laughs> no, from no, two just, years ago? I'm just, but uh, I, what I'm getting at, though, is is that your life? Is that literally like, can you go out and, and do people come up to you and say, uh, oh, hey, Snedeker, I was supposed to get married and it rained. And- I very rarely hear criticism <laughs> of that. I think most people are aware that meteorology is a uh, chaotic science. So I don't think they... Now, occasionally during snowstorms, if we forecast four to eight and when we get 16 inches, then you hear it from people. Those right. idiots, you know, they said less than eight inches and we got two feet. So you hear that. But the standard joke, which makes me realize how people are so uncreative. If I got paid for being wrong, <laughs> like, uh, can't you come up with something better than that? <laughs> Really? I heard that comment a gazillion times. The only job in the world you don't you have to be paid, right. You can yeah. be wrong. It's like, no, that's every job. Yeah. You know, everyone, everyone at their job does little incremental mistakes during the day, right? Whether you do construction and you cut the board the wrong length or you're an accountant and you're off by $20, everybody makes mistakes. So. Is it even a mistake or it's just you're, you're trying to interpret data and information and you're trying to come up with a forecast based on science. Thank so, you for being a knowledgeable man. Yeah, it's you're, not, a you're not really wrong. It's an you're outcome just, based you, on the data that we received. So I hate to say we weren't wrong, but the data was wrong and it misled us. Or something changed, <laughs> you know, right? And things change, sure. So, yeah, but I guess that's everything. And, and, you know, the worst thing you can do is make excuses. You know, like, you guys are wrong all the time. I can't believe it. They try to get you to be defensive. My response is always like, oh, yeah, but I'll still get my big fat check this Friday. <laughs> and then they don't know what to do. Not to sound like a jerk, but you know what I mean? Then yeah. it puts it on them. When I watch, um, you see this, you don't really see this on like the Weather Channel. Uh, well, because they're all meteorologists. But you, you see this on, you know, local or even in national news where where the um, the host or the newscaster kind of blames the weather on the meteorologist like you know 
We're having a big parade this weekend. Uh, Joe, can you get us some good weather? Yeah, I, I think that. <laughs> I, think, nuts. I think that, again, it's stale people who do stuff like that. That They can't think of anything creative or funny or uh, engaging, so they use that. So I, I hate those type of uh, transitions. It's the worst. It's, You're right. It, it, it's an easy out, though, to just, uh, you know, kind of lean on the, 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 the weather guy and say, you know, uh, but we need good weather. Drum it up for us. Or, oh, man, you, you, you know, La Festa's coming up. What, what can you what can you do us? for us? Yeah. <laughs> and the thing with meteorology, it's the most, in my opinion, misunderstood science of all of them. Really? I believe so, because I think people don't know what it takes to become us. And, you know, I hate to get into this category of talk, but you drove me here. <laughs> there's a spectrum of TV forecasters and a lot of people don't know that. So there's a lot of people in the business who here's their arc of their career and I'm not judging them or making fun of them, but it needs to be stated. Okay. What do I want to do in life? Uh, I'll go into broadcasting. They go to college for four years and they get a journalism degree, broadcast journalism. Didn't, don't you have something similar? Yep. Yeah. How many science courses did you have to take? Uh, none that would qualify me to do anything scientific. Right. None or one. I think I took an astronomy right. class. They take a science elective. Yeah. Okay. All of a sudden they're on TV. Some outlets still today will say, you, sir, Bob, come on over here. You're going to be our weather presenter. And they get the title of a meteorologist. It's sad. Yeah. How does that work? I that mean, you still really, exists in the world. You're saying someone is something that they're, they're not. They're not. You know, it's like calling someone a doctor. I mean, I, you know. Yes, it, because but, they give medical advice on a show. It, you're not a doctor. And some of these forecasters, they put meteorologists and it bothers me. So what they're doing now is some folks go to college for four years for broadcasting. And they're like, you know what? I'm in this business. I'm in this news world. I want to do weather. So some places, University of Mississippi is a big one. Penn State even has something similar now. You do an online course and you get a certificate where you learn the basics of meteorology. Um, but are you sitting in a classroom <laughs> taking physics and chemistry and geoscience courses? I never took a broadcast course in my life. I never really planned on being on TV. Right, you were, you were pure, a school teacher with a science degree. So who my went background back for is a geoscience, science, right? meteorology, and then an environmental science degree. I have no broadcast in in background at all. So all those hours of sitting in physics labs, and chemistry labs, and math labs, and geoscience labs, and meteorology labs, and then when I see people on TV, they didn't do any of that. They took an online. They're sitting on a computer, and believe me, as a professor at Marywood University. <laughs> You can't teach online. I am anti-online. It doesn't work. And it allows transfer of fake knowledge and cheating to occur, in my opinion. So uh, my point is here that um, I'm proud to say I'm a science guy. And watch what you see on TV, because a lot of them don't know the business. They're, they may be weather um, presenters, but they're not, they don't understand the guts and the nuts and the bolts of it. Right, and so I'm they might know the weather a little bit more than the average guy, but, is but, that what but they're you not want? a meat, right? When you go to your doctor, if you have, um, you know, a pretty serious illness, do you want, well, similar, I guess. Do you want the, the physician's assistant a lot of times? I mean, they're good. They're knowledgeable. That's, but a lot of times do you, don't you say, I want the doctor. 
Yeah, I think I think you know if I have like a, a head cold, I guess I go with the, go the PA. Go. But you know if my arm's hanging off, uh, you know, or, or a tornado's to the, coming, I think I, let's talk to the doctor. Yeah, yeah let's talk think, to the guy. So I'm not dissing these other people. I'm just saying to folks who watch, watch what you get from your presenter. And we're talking about some big names here. Name some famous meteorologists. Well, I'm going to name one that I know, that I, I know you're going with here is, is Al Roker. Al Roker. Al's not a meteorologist. I think his degree is um, what is it? I think he. Uh, was it journalism, maybe? I, I think Al's the journalism Yeah, uh, Al Roker. Remember Willard Scott? Yep. Some big names. Lloyd Lindsay Young. Lord, ooh, he, <laughs> Lloyd, he's a Philly guy, I think, right? Yeah. Some people compare me to him. I never saw him because uh, <laughs> I'm not a Philly guy. But how about even someone like Ginger Z? I'm pretty sure, oh gosh, I shouldn't say this on podcast, but she's one of those who took a broadcast journalism approach and they did the online work. One of my most dissed people on tv who am i thinking of he's got the blonde hair he's very dramatic he's on abc filling in periodically why can't i think of his name oh no. sam champion sam champion yeah. not a meteorologist no, just a, a a weather guy and the, the ones that are Reads not the weather yes the ones that are <laughs> non-meteorologists to me tend to be the most dramatic they look for things like 200 million in the path <laughs> 400,000 under a heat advisory. They love the drama and I hate drama. I want to stick to the science and facts and not get drowned out in hype. I hate the hype. Are You're happy where you are doing what you're doing. Is when you're a meteorologist, is the dream job standing on the beach during a hurricane at the Weather Channel or or is that not for you? That's not for me. Not for you. No, I hate, uh, I, I'm really not fond of big weather events because they, they make me. They make me do extra work at WNEP. Right, right. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a lazy guy, but then it's all serious and dramatic too. So I don't like drama in any form. Well, see, that's interesting because you, you know you, you make a good point there. You're you're a funny guy and you're a creative guy, and 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 you like to keep things light. But it's very hard to do when you're if about to a tornado get murdered by, down, you know, or when people yeah. are, are are under a flood watch and there's rising um, streams. Yeah. So I can do that, but it's not my character. Right. I'll do it. I'll turn it on. I'll be a serious guy. But deep down inside, I want to tell jokes and be silly and fun. Yeah. Speaking of your, your character, when, when you started at WNEP, did you have to convince anyone that uh, the, the, your approach to weather was, um, well, was it going to be okay? Or, or did you, no, it evolved. Yeah, I was going to say. when I first started, I was scared to death. And I, so you were just was, like a weekend guy. I was, was a weekend guy. I was near the point where I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to quit. The story is this, true story. Tom Clark, um, who, who offered me, I think he took a risk in hiring me because I was this, uh, you know, things were different in the 90s. Early 90s even, you know? Uh, I was this green guy. I never did TV. He knew that. I had no broadcast experience at all. I told him that. I said, but come on. I'm a science guy. I have the meteorology background. I'm in front of uh, high school students. I can do this, Tom. And he took a risk with me. But the first few weeks, I put on a suit. I tried to be Tom Clark. <laughs> I didn't want to upset Tom Clark. Right. He hired me. He's a great guy. And... I did the suit and tie serious thing every weekend for three, four weeks. And then I'm like, I hate my life. I didn't want to do it. I thought I was pretty good, but I was boring. I was stale. I was formal. And so then, the Snedeker we knew was in there oh God, trying to in, come out. Uh, I don't, he was intimidated. 
Right. He didn't want to come out because he was scared to come out. So uh, I remember this one weekend, I I was told by the news director, how dare you do the forecast without winter gloves on? It was a cold day. Come on. Because I am the example that people look at to know what to dress for themselves and for their children. So if you're not wearing gloves, I'm not going to be smart enough to put gloves on. Well, that, you know, that's the kind of thinking. So, Joe, why didn't you wear gloves that day? It was 20 degrees or something. And I'm like, you know what? That's the turn in my life. I'm like, screw this. The next day, it was a little warmer, maybe 40. And I didn't not only wear gloves, I wore shorts. And I'm like, I got to be me. That's where it started. And that's where it started. And I don't know if I got in trouble for that day when I wear the shorts, but maybe it didn't notice. And then weeks would go on and it would be more of that kind of stuff. Like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to mock the cold. Hey, it's 40 and sunny. Put your shorts on. And then me started coming out. Does TV, in a, in a sense, kind of encourage that? So so let's say your bosses at the time weren't thrilled with the shorts, but the audience loved it. And that's what happened. Yeah, so the audience they, get to say they what? Get, they get 50 talkback calls. Oh, my God, that guy's a riot. He had shorts on. <laughs> it was 39 degrees. <laughs> And now things start to turn in your favor because once you get the people on your side, then management knows, you know, it's like the Howard Stern thing, right? You, you know, if the people are on your side, then management knows, uh-oh, what we say really doesn't matter because we want ratings and now the people are on his side. So I guess we'll let him do what he wants. And it worked. And they were, they were smart to do it. You, you mentioned Talkback 16. You are a common uh, uh, topic. Do you, do you start to get to know, actually get to know some of the callers? Like you hear them and you know, okay, that's a, that's a repeat caller. That's a fan. That's a, a, a critic. Um, when you, when you hear them, do you, do you, uh, well here, here's to go with my initial story. Here's, <laughs> this is funny. Um, I think anyone who says, I don't care what people think are lying. It's just to be human means to be social and care what people think. So I'm not going to try to tell you that I don't care what people think. I hate being criticized and I hate to know. This person doesn't like me. It, it bothers me. I don't know why. Maybe it's a character flaw. So after I started wearing shorts and I was the weekend guy and things started going in my favor and the people really loved what I did in the presentation. So, so I was working part-time at WNEP, still a full-time high school science teacher. I did that for six years. Then after the sixth into the seventh year, management said, Snedeker, here's the deal. We found out that... <laughs> 80% of the people love you and they love what you're doing. 10% of the people, they can take you or leave you. He said, there's another 10%. They hate your guts. And it was like a scene in a movie and he paused and he goes, this is why we want you full time. Whoa. Nice. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. I think they like the controversial part a little bit. So I went full time and that was 1999. And there's still that 10% they hate me. They just want the facts. They want the weather. They don't want any silliness. They don't want any funny graphics. They don't want a guy in shorts. They want a serious guy delivering their information. And they're the people I call talk back in my, um, not in my favor, that criticize everything I do most of the time. I think. Do you hear all those calls? And or, they bother or me. They I just... don't know why. I, no one wants to be hated, do they? I don't know. <laughs> But it, it is a unique uh, opportunity. That, so I that, hear the calls. Yeah. yeah, that you guys give people a, a, a chance to call up and, and abuse you. I mean, there's almost something commendable about that. Oh, I know. When you can laugh at yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think it is. It's like the person who makes fun of themselves before someone else can, you know. I have a big nose. I have pointy ears. <laughs> it disarms others. 
So if we show and play these talkback calls, it kind of disarms them. And it's like, we can, we don't take ourselves serious. So it's great. When a reporter produces a news story, an editor typically looks at the story before it goes on That's the news air. to me. I don't know any of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, but you, <laughs> meteorologists don't really have that, right? We like, don't have, we, occasionally in the past, because I've shown things on TV that were controversial, for a while they put me under scrutiny. Like, we're going to have to have your maps approved by this person. This was like 10, 12 years ago, I remember. And I'm like, and this is someone approving the, the sheep, not the, not the, uh, you know, the line uh, that shows the, you know, the, the temperature or no, the, yeah, no, the, the, the graphics the that front. I make, yeah. the yeah, right. graphics that I make. You're because, clowning around. Yes. Clowning. <laughs> and I remember thinking, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm out. I'll do this for a few months until this, um, uh, until I find something else because I, I will not do that. And I'm not, no one's going to come over and say, why did you put a vacuum cleaner over Michigan. <laughs> like, come on. I know what to do. Just let me do my thing. So it got to that point for a little while, then it went away. Just like that. It was just. It came and it went. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes in some cases, but you're right. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like a marriage too. Are you a married guy? I am a married guy. Remember when you were young and just first married and you would push buttons and you didn't know how she was going to react and is that going <laughs> to tick her off? And then you learn. And you get into each other's groove after many years of marriage, right? I think the same thing happened at WNEP. So, so you know, I, te- I probably pulled back a little bit, not even knowing consciously that I pulled back. So we worked into a groove. Now we're like, yeah, all right, I know what Joe's doing. Management, I know what they're doing. And we're just in the middle now. Yeah. You actually have a couple of things going on because <laughs> in, in, in one part of this you're you're trying to be entertaining and, and you're trying to do something serious at the same time. Uh, you're, you're trying to give an accurate forecast, but but you're trying to be entertaining while you're doing it. But you're also a little bit of a nudge and a little bit of an instigator with oh, your yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with your co-host. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah, and yeah. that takes a special breed of because uh, not <laughs> you would know better than I, but not everybody is built for on-air shenanigans. But Ed, that's a surprise to me. <laughs> I was telling you before we started this podcast how a lot of uh, you seem to have a Polish background, and I do. And a lot of my friends, we grew up just busting each other. That's what you do. Everyone makes fun of each other. And then I got into a world where I didn't realize some people don't like that. Like, what? You're offended? Are you kidding me? Over what? Right. So I would say things on TV to the anchor, and then they went to HR and said, why is Joe doing that? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, the way I grew up, you don't complain about anything to anyone, you know? Yeah, and it's not like you know, it, it, it's not like uh, I, I don't know. You were telling someone they uh, I don't know had an ugly puppy or something. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> You're malicious. You're just being it's a just, clown, you yeah, know, just goofing around like, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and there are some people that don't jive with that. So how awkward is that? So you're on the air and, and you're having a little fun. You're teasing someone and they go to HR and yeah, now you're and back, back on the air and we're watching it. And well, then I simply back off and I don't do it anymore to that person. You know, I'm not going to be a jerk about it. I'm like, okay. I, I, I honestly said I had no idea. I'm surprised. I won't do that anymore. But I will also do all that I can to not work with that person again, too. Right. Keep them away from me. I don't like uptight people. Yeah, so. I was going to say, so that's going to be weird for you because... But there's very know, few of those, yeah, to be honest. Tension is not something that you would feed off of. You would feed off of the opposite. You would look for someone who yeah. you know wants to play along and, and yes, have a little bit of fun. Yes, have a little fun. <laughs> and the HR thing is something... If you and I work together, for example, and after work, you beat me up in the hall, 
I wouldn't go to HR. <laughs> like, hey, that's the last, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's nothing you can do to me to make me go to HR. That's just the way I was brought up. Right. I'd quit before I go to HR <laughs> or I'd beat you up or try to down the other hall before I would tell someone else. You've got to be kidding me, oh, HR. That's, that's pretty funny. Yeah, but it, it was, it, it got, you know, you, you made some news, I guess, at the time. There was, you know, you know there was a little dust up there. Oh, and, the Kim Supon incident. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to bring up Kim's name because you I, could, I, no, that, I didn't know if you guys were. She and I were friends and I was very surprised that that happened. I don't think it even bothered her. I think it just got blown out of proportion. Oh, really? See, that's interesting. So I don't think it bothered her at all. I think if she were here right now, she'd say that didn't bother me. I think it was others that thought it bothered her. And that happens a lot to me where, for example, with Mindy now, I've been not pulled to HR, but management says, you're being a little rough on Mindy. The people are saying that you're picking on her too much. I'm like, ask her because she doesn't mind at all. It's the perception that I'm picking on her. I don't know what that is. Like, this is what we do. Right. She doesn't care. It's like my sister or, you know, <laughs> she really doesn't care. But it's so the this perception of it is. It, th this has never been dictated by someone who went and complained about you. This no. is someone saying, holy cow, we think Joe just uh, yeah. you know, blew Kim's mind or something. You and know, then and management has to respond because they're getting calls. Wow. Yeah. And, that's and then weird. the newspaper steps in and we say, hey, you guys have a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. But there is none. Ah. There really is none. Now, the Kim Supon thing, I don't even recall the details of that. All I had said to her at the time was. And I think she was on her second child at the time. And I simply said, Kim, you got to, because she was taking a lot of time off. And, you know, like a coworker misses a lot of time. You'd be like, what are you doing, man? Come on, get back to work. I'm like, Kim, you got to choose. Are you going to come to work or are you going to stay home with the kids? And that was just a silly off the cuff comment. It right. wasn't a sexist, a woman should be home with children, not working. It, it, there was, that was not my intention. It was me. Having a little fun with my coworker. That's it. I think what gets lost on some people is is they don't understand necessarily uh, the relationship. So the relationship that you would have with a coworker that doesn't involve a camera and a microphone, yeah, is the same relationship the same. you have on the air. Exactly. So when you're teasing a, a you know messing around with a coworker, yeah. it's what you would do in the hallway. That's what I would do in the hallway, and I just try to keep it real. I don't want to be a fake guy on TV. So the things I would do in the hallway, right? I would do on TV. And yeah, I, I think that's lost the, on some people who don't realize that, you know, uh, this is, uh, and, and there, there does need to be an entertainment, uh, aspect to what you guys do. I mean, Hey, I'm all for, you know, getting the news in the morning and finding out, you know, uh, you know, that my, my car is going to be under six feet of water by the afternoon, but, yeah, but well, it, I, we deliver that. It's gotta be a little entertaining, right? It's gotta be, especially now in the world of, um, uh, social media. And, you know, you talk to anyone under, what, 20, 30, and they're, they have a hard time watching news. They get everything from their app. And you can do that right now. You can get the forecast for the next seven days on your app. But don't you want to get more from us? You know, we're going to give you the weather. We're going to have a little fun. We're going to be personable. You can't get that on an app. That was always the knock when, when uh, you had mentioned Howard Stern earlier. Uh, but that was always the knock when uh, out-of-town folks uh, big companies would buy smaller companies and they, you know, maybe bring the DJ in from another city or, you know, the forecaster in or something from, from another city. And, and I, does that get lost a little bit Would you need a local guy, you need some personality. And that's happening now. A lot of TV stations, uh, I think there's one even locally, their weather forecast is done in a faraway state and it's all set up on camera with computers that it makes it look like they're here when they're not. Even AccuWeather does that. They have, um, they have forecasts 
forecasters that sit in state college and they're making forecasts in front of a green screen map in Des Moines, Iowa, in Dallas, Texas. And they create the appearance that they're there. I don't think they're trying to lie to anyone. They just deliver the news for that specific town and they don't say, we're not really here. <laughs> and it's thorough and it's good, but is it personable and friendly and engaging? I don't know. That's up to someone to decide. I don't think so. Yeah, I got a buddy who opinion. does uh, uh, traffic, uh, uh, car traffic, automobile, you know, roadway traffic uh, reports. Uh, he's in Maryland, but the uh, radio station he works for is in Las Vegas. He's doing I mean, Las Vegas traffic in Delaware. Could, yeah, and it could work. I'm not saying it can't yeah, work. I don't know I'm how just, you do it. It's just, to me, it's a little too fake and distant. Congratulations, by the way, on Gojo. 26 26 26 look at me i'm an old guy how did this happen i i have a couple of questions about that um <laughs> you were supposed to say you're not that old John. i can't even pretend because i'm two years older so i <laughs> we're old guys man i know i'm old and the guy i see in the mirror is the guy that you're looking at I'm, you look I'm, great so you're closing old, in on 60 i am going to be 60 in march yeah is that a big deal for you or um yes and no i i got a free year um, uh, in the middle there, there was, I'm not very good at math. And there was a time in my mid fifties, um, that I was walking around, um, thinking I was 54 when I was actually 55. Um, so I spent the, the entire year, um, uh, think, I'm, I'm sorry, I have it the other way around. I was thinking I was 55 when I was really 54. Okay. And, and so when I turned 55, I got a free year because I just did 55 you a second time. I mean, I, you did it to trick yourself or you really lost the math? I really lost the math. And it was, it was my, <laughs> my wife, my wife said, she said, you know, I've been listening to you say that, that you're 55 for six months. And she said, you know, your birthday's coming up. You're, and, and, and so my wife corrected me and thank God. Well, for Well, I have bad news for you. Thank God for the wives. I have bad news for you. Yeah. And this is not a pro-choice or pro-life statement. Okay. You are already 60. Because I count my first moment after conception as life. Okay. So I'm, yeah. So I'm there. I'm 60. Yep. I and like am, I said, I don't mean that in a pro-choice or pro-life no, way. I, but I, I know exactly what you're saying. Everyone forgets when you're an embryo and a fetus, that's you. You were, you were there. You know what I mean? You're there on the I was planet. there. They were talking to me, playing music. Yeah, well, I think just that's, because uh, that's you were a new in age. a uterus doesn't make yeah. a difference, right? You were there. Uh, my parents probably weren't uh, playing music. They were probably smoking and drinking. <laughs> for that too. So that's you what were, they did back in the that's 60s. That's what they did. That's why you're such a great guy. So you were in existence <laughs> yeah. now for already 60 years. I've been, yeah, I've been, I've had a heartbeat for 60 years. There you go. And I repeat once again, not a pro-life or pro-choice statement. No, I, I think we know <laughs> what you're saying. Um, but uh, yeah, no, so it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, everything hurts and... Uh, is it? Yeah, you know, and um, so that that throwing it back to you. So you're an avid cyclist anyway, but <coughs> Gojo six the Gojo ride. It used to be that you used to go to some faraway place. I don't know, like Boston yeah, yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. And, and ride here. And I suspect, and you may have even said this, but you, you kind of brought it back into Northeast PA, and I and I suspect that so that you know you could be somewhere in the market every day and people could see you and talk to you and it makes the broadcast a little more manageable. But my, my, my question that I, apparently I'm going to get to at some point is uh, you're riding anyway, but is there a lot of extra training that goes into the prep? No. So it's just another day of you on the bike, really? Yeah. As I was telling you earlier, I have a hard time relaxing. It's probably going to kill me young. Um, it did that to my grandfather and my mom passed away at 70 um, from, they, they were both very 
um, active, maybe hyperactive people. And I seem to have gotten that more so than my <laughs> siblings. And you think that's going to kill you? I, I, well, I think that I'm on medication. They weren't. So that might save me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my mom was in perfect health her whole life. And she remembered, she would always tells me, tell me stories of how her dad was a wiry guy like me and how he was 64 and just dropped dead. Like you pulled a battery out of a toy and just falls down. I remember hearing that my whole life. And then all of a sudden that same thing happened to my mother. She was no health issues at all until one day she just dropped and it was a heart condition. But she also her whole life said, you know, she's from that generation. She didn't take any medication. You know, that's the doctors. They're trying to sell their pills. You know, that attitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, and she kind of would say the rosary and say, God's going to protect me and all that. But of course we know science is different. Yeah. So, so as a so, science guy, you're probably a little more in tune with your body. So now you said I'm you're taking high blood pressure medication. <laughs> I have cholesterol medication and hopefully that'll mitigate the genetics. Um, but I, I do think I, this wiry personality of mine, it maybe comes with a little uh, hypertension, a little anxiety. I don't know. So I'm at least I'm maybe I live longer because I am treated. Well, you're, you're definitely fit. <laughs> but the reason so I bring that up is so I can't relax my whole life and I'm always doing stuff. So I feel like I'm 18. I don't know if that's an illusion in my brain. I have no aches, no pains. So I've been cycling ever since I was uh, in college. And I've been going 100 miles a week for decades. So when I'm not teaching or at WNEP, I'm riding my bike all year round. Mountain bike, road bike. And I go all the time. When I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm uh, cleaning the house. And when I'm not doing that, I'm building something or making something or taking my dog for a walk. I can't relax. So, so you're, I feel, you're I feel not a, fit. You're not oh. a guy who's sitting around taking a nap. I can't. Do, I can't. I, I can't. A it's, it's a curse. <laughs> I, my siblings, they watch football games on uh, Sunday. I don't even know what that means. I can't sit in front of a TV and watch other people have fun. What's the point? I got to go have fun. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a new reality series <laughs> where... We put we put a couple of cameras and a microphone on you, and we take you to an insurance seminar. Oh my god! Or we take no. you to a timeshare. No. Yeah, sell sell you a timeshare time thing. Six I, hours. Oh god, you get no. a free VCR. No, I and hate he, any. The worst thing you can do to me <laughs> is make me go to a wedding. That is the absolute hell on earth for me. I am with you on that. Man. You sit there. They bring you a salad, and then an hour later, they bring you three little pieces of beef. And then an hour later, you have, what, a little piece of cake? And then you watch people dance. I don't dance. What am I going to do dancing? <laughs> Just get me the hell out of here. I always said the only wedding I ever had fun at was mine. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I didn't even want to do that projecting on other people. I'm like, I don't want to torture other people. Let's just go to the courthouse and get this over with. Well, we did. We sort of did that. We did the wedding we wanted. We had it on the beach in a tent. And, oh, uh, nice. We did, did, did similar. We were outside for our wedding and it was more non-traditional. So. Yep. Yeah, so I, I can't sit still. No, I can watch movies. Like, I'll sit down for really? an hour and a half, maybe once a month, and watch a movie. An hour and a half? And watch a movie, yeah. So you can't make it through, like, Avengers Endgame or anything? No. That's three hours movie? No. Titanic, the, no. four hours. In the term, what is it, binging? Binge watching? <laughs> Binge watching. 
No one on their deathbed lays there and says, I wish I binge watched more. You got to be kidding me. Life is for living. I got no time to binge watch. You're not going to watch 12 episodes of Breaking Bad back to back for four days in a row. I've watched a couple of those shows. They're good. I'm not judging other people. I'm just saying, this is what I can't do this. I know. Yeah, you've been very clear. It's what Uh, you can't do. Yeah, I'd rather paint my kitchen than watch a football game. At least that's something I'm getting done, you know? And I'm not being, uh, I'm not lecturing in any way. This is just my condition. No, I get that. And, and do your, do your wife and kids have a, a bit of a sense of humor about it? Like, are, are they like you or not like you? And if they're not like you, do, do they think you're I funny or are you they... a project? <laughs> like, I, what, do they, what do they think of you? Uh, luckily I never made my kids like, you know, if they wanted to sit down and watch a football game, that, that's fine. They don't, but I wouldn't bust them about that so they're watching football and you're on the other side of the couch doing push-ups and painting the kitchen yeah i wouldn't say (laughs) get off you know like the dads from our generation get outside and play i was kind of easy on them okay although it does bother me now to say this low so they don't hear (laughs) if they listen to this i hate my kids when they play video games they'll sit there for hours seven hours of Fortnite. not you they did all that (laughs) and i i I said dad snedeker let it go and i didn't bust them about it I don't even know if they know now that I hate when they play video. I think they know. No, they have I to think know. <laughs> Kids know. They know. But I, uh, my, my wife and I have a deal. I clean the whole house every Saturday. And I love cleaning. And I said, the only way I'm, uh, not the only way, but I'll clean. The only thing I asked for me was that I never have to cook or go to a grocery store my whole life because <laughs> I hate that too. Joe, I am prepared right now to offer you a similar arrangement. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I, I just want you to clean. I'll clean your house and you feed me. <laughs> yeah, I'll okay. feed you. I'm what, in, baby. What a great deal. But when you feed me, it's got to be quick. I like to oh, just yeah, eat got and like, go. It's like 10 minutes. I got eight, eight minutes to feed you. Yeah, and you're, and you're done. Um, I, I wanted to circle back to Gojo. Gojo. So oh, I was getting to that. I'm sorry. So, so um, how you've been doing it for 26 years for St. Joseph's Center. And it's an amazing cause. It, it, wonderful people over there. They do a terrific job. And they're I, and awesome. I, I know they're, are, they're very appreciative of what you do. And, and they, they very much participate in, in what you do. You don't just go out and ride the bike and show up with a check. Uh, they're behind you 100%. So in 26 years, do you, do you know how much money you've, you've raised? Do you have I, they calculated ballpark? that. I remember during Gojo 20, the 20th anniversary, that was calculated. And it was, of course, millions and millions. Yeah, millions. But I forget. Was it ten million at the time? So I, I don't know. Now it's but it's millions. It's millions. It's yeah. tens of millions. That started again because of my lack of ability to relax. So when I was a science teacher, remember in the uh, mid late nineties, and I was working part time at WNEP before they hired me full time. So here comes summer. <laughs> oh God, what am I going to do? I only work weekends, and I'm not teaching. What am I going to do during all these weeks of the summer? That was the issue. So I went for my master's degree, but I also thought I'm a cyclist. I can do good deeds for humanity. And I met with the station managers and I said, what I want to do is a charity bike ride. I said, I have off in the summer. I only work weekends because I'm a science teacher and I'm only part-time here on the weekend. How about if I do this bike ride from WNEP and I'll bike to the Atlantic coast? Sounds dramatic, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll bike to Atlantic City, which is only about 200 miles or less. And um, I'll raise money for St. Joe's because we already had a relationship with them at the time. A lot of people ask me, do you have a, a, a relative at St. Joe's or something? No, but I was well aware of the good deeds they do. So I'm like, we'll do this for St. Joe's. 
And management gave me the old, like, yeah, that's all good. Have fun. It yeah. was not like a big deal. Let like, us know how you make it. Whatever, whatever this weekend weirdo <laughs> wants to do, go ahead. So they're like, yeah, go ahead. So then that first year, it was 19, um, I don't know, 96, seven, seven, maybe. I did it. And I left WNEP. There was no camera guy there. There was no one outside. It was just like. You didn't have a van following There was nothing. No sky cam. It was me. I think I even drove my car to WDP that day, and I told my <laughs> wife, I'll have to pick it up when I get to Atlantic yeah. City on the way back. Yes. And that was it. And I started biking. I don't think anyone from WDP even knew I left. But I did say on the air doing my forecast, if anyone wants to help out, I'm going to bike to Atlantic City. If you want to make a donation, I show the address. This is pre-email, pre-internet. Well, internet was there, but it was young. Right. And people would just send in checks. And I got, I think... Um, a few hundred dollars in the first few days. But would you believe as I was the second and third day into this bike ride to Atlantic City, I think it was the second day, hordes of people were calling WNEP wondering where Joe is. And I think WNEP were like, I'm using my phone here, podcasters, I have it up to my ear. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what do you mean, Joe? What? Why? I don't know. Where is he? They didn't even know. Yeah. You, but, you didn't do a great job of letting people know that you're out on the bike. I did my best during, my, during yeah. my weather forecast, but that's it. <laughs> right. So those who didn't watch my weather forecast didn't even know I left. And WNEP management are like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess he's doing this. But because the people were calling in, they said, we better cover this. So they sent a reporter down to Atlantic City to cover me when I, arose, when I arrived there. Yeah. And when I did arrive, guess what? There had to be a hundred people waiting for me. Get out. And Atlantic City, all from the area, because you remember the nineties, what did everyone do in Atlantic City? Uh you gambled. The only place to go to gamble, <laughs> yeah, right? right? There was no <laughs> local casino or anything. Yeah. So all these local people were waiting for me in AC and it was great. And it was a big news story. And I think at the end there was like twelve thousand dollars I raised. That first bike. That ride. first year. And that probably seemed like, wow, holy cow, you know, twelve thousand bucks. Yeah. yeah, we did it. Yeah. And then it was that next year that they hired me full-time and I didn't even do the bike ride that year because it was like, uh, I was just starting my new job full-time and it didn't even enter my mind. And then after my first year at WNEP, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do this bike ride again. Let's make it a whole week. Cause it took me two or three days to go to Atlantic city. I was just a quick little. Right. So now we turned it into this thing and we gave it a name, Gojo and St. Joe's was on board and, now I can promote this thing five days during the work week because I'm the new morning meteorologist. And that second year, Gojo 2, I guess you would call it, was a bigger success, 50,000. And it started getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And it really caught on and here it is now. Do you have much contact with the folks over at St. Joe's? Do you, do you get a, I didn't a, a firsthand first. look I did. at, at the work you do? So I didn't at first. That first year, I remember, it's funny, I remember I was so ignorant to the whole dynamics of the situation of a lot of people there. I said, could I come down and take pictures of a lot of the residents and then I'm going to show them on TV. And they gave me a look like, no, it's not like that. That's a little exploitive and it's a little bit, uh, almost pandering to emotions. You know, we're not going to just show some of our residents. We got to do this in a more professional way. So, um, I went down there for a tour and I got to know a lot of the people and the, um, uh, the people in charge and the caretakers. And then I knew what they were talking about. Like, no, we're not going to just show these residents and say, this is why I'm doing it. Although that is the reason. But once I got to know the dynamics of St. Joe center, 
um, it really hit hard, man. I can go down there and I think anyone can, and you, I'm, I'm getting teary eyed now. You will cry at the amazing work they do. It, it's remarkable. And at the situation of a lot of people, you know, you cry over not having a two car garage or getting the right SUV and you don't realize <laughs> how fortunate you are to just have your health and maybe have loved ones who are healthy. And when you see the condition of some people and the work they do, it'll rip your heart out. These are folks that, that have no, almost no other place to go. They require an enormous amount of help and assistance and, and love and care. And, and it is, you use the word remarkable, but it really is remarkable the work they do over at St. Joe's. Yeah, because these are people who are, um, what would you or I do if you had a child who needed special attention its entire life and you know you have to work and you can't provide that special attention? There's no other place to go until places like St. Joe started um, coming into existence, you know, in the 50s and 60s and beyond, right? And the, before that, it was just you. one person in the family has to give up their whole life to watch a child with an impairment. And you can imagine how hard that is if you are a parent to, to give up your child to an institution just yeah, to it's, keep it's your life be. from being, I hate to use the term burdened, but you have a life to live. You have to make a living. You have to go to work and you can't take care of an impaired child. It's, and now it's, there's a loving place that can. It's got to be such a struggle for the parents too, because yeah, because you feel like you give up, right? and you see it at the other end of life, maybe more often, where we have to take our our folks yes. and maybe put them in a nursing home right. or something. And but that feels more like a natural progression of life. Very, but was a little kid. If it's a four year old oh, or five year old, so now parents shouldn't feel guilty, and they don't because they know they're getting better love, better care, and they're with others of similar impairments, and they're all laughing and they're doing. Um, um, exercises and projects that they could never get at home with stimulation, right? So it's the right thing to do now. Never mind, should you feel not guilty, but it's the right thing to do. Now, the the bike ride is over, but the fundraising never ends. I want to give you a chance, and we'll we'll put this in the uh, the comments of the podcast. But but how can folks uh, make a a, a donation to, uh, to the Gojo or St. Joe's? Tell us what to do. Yeah, well, I don't know the answer. <laughs> all right. <laughs> See, I, I will you, find the answer and you for you and no, put it I in. I know the answer. Of course, all you have to do is search St. Joseph Center and you'll get to their website. Right. And I'm sure on that website, there's a location where you can make a donation. I will So I'm making search. a joke because, no, here's what. During my bike ride and the WNEP effort that week, even that month before it, it's simply WNEP.com. Right. And then we have links to it. And they're still there. The they, links are still yeah, there. So still if you go to WNEP.com and search St. Joe's or Gojo, you'll see the links. Now, will they be there for months and months and months? I'm not sure. It goes away eventually. No, they're there. I was looking there, there oh, for like <laughs> years there. ago. Yeah, they're But I have to answer your other question. So the reason I chose to do the bike ride out of the viewing area is because I thought it would be of interest to go to some place like the highest location in the Northeast, Mount Washington. Or let's start out in Washington, D.C. Or let's start out at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, first flight. So after I was doing bike rides like that for a while, um, it came to um, the realization of production and promotions at WNP. Hey, why don't you just stick around in the viewing area and go from town to town? I, that would never enter my mind. I don't know right. why. <laughs> but I think because I'd be like, well, why? No one wants to see me. 
And, but they saw it from a different perspective. So people do want to meet me and the WNEP staff. So we started doing it in the viewing area. And it, from it's, town to town, we showcase the community. People build their their trust with WNEP. And yeah, it became a thing. I, I didn't see know the that. way I see the way you promote it. You tell people that you're gonna do your your weather forecast, then you're gonna ride, you list the towns, right. you tell them what time you're gonna show up. And then you're going to, you know, do another thing on the new, new noon cast and then uh, ride some more. And then you, you know, show up at four in the afternoon and every stop along the way, there's, there's folks waiting for you. Right. But Ed, you can see why I thought I would never think of that because again, <laughs> I'm just, I'm showing up. That's no draw in my opinion. So someone else had to just say that it is a draw. But the problem with that is it's like Santa Claus coming to your house two, three times a year after like the third time you'd be like, really? <laughs> Get out of here, old man. Hit the road. So the problem is, if we went to the viewing area every single year for 26 years, it would become old. So we still try to break it up. I'll do a year in the viewing area, maybe two years, and then I'll go somewhere far away. The problem is, and this is the effort we're having now, when we are far away, the only day that I'm back in the viewing area is that last day when I'm riding at the St. Joe's. All those other days, I'm just some obscure cyclist in upstate New York. And it's not making as much money as the communities would. So that's the problem. If you do it every year, people get sick of us. If you don't do it, you earn less money. So what's the answer? If you know, Ed, tell me, because we don't know. What's the answer? I Maybe a bank heist? <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> Go Joe Rob's bank number one. <laughs> yeah. 2024. Well, you, you you work it so that it's all banks in the viewing area and uh, maybe even some you advertisers. Go from bank to bank. Yeah, you only rob advertisers, Joe, and that way they get double I promotion. I never thought of this. So we ride from bank to bank. Yeah, I'm an idea man, Joe. First um, National <laughs> Bank. We're going to be at First National Bank this week. Bring your checking account. Tomorrow, we're going to be at the next bank. This is good. This is really good. Well, we got a year to work the details out. Yeah. Uh, the the, the, the bike bank tour. <laughs> the bank tour. My God. <laughs> the bike ride is the perfect fundraiser for you to participate in, though, because I, I remember when uh they used to have the, the Labor Day telethon. And um I, I don't I don't remember if if you were ever part of it, but that's gotta be the exact opposite of, of using you and, and your, your, your talents and skills. I mean, yeah, you sure you get on the air and, and yuck it up a little bit, but you standing in one spot, speaking to a, a camera about um, raising some money for muscular dystrophy is maybe not exactly doing what you do best and, and putting you on the bike and putting you out in the community and, and keeping you moving is probably a little yeah, more, you're right. a little more your speed. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. It's a challenge. I'm 57 years old. And even though I said earlier, I feel like I'm 18. Every year I forget how hard the bike ride is until I'm in it. Do you come home every night when you, when you're local? Or Hardly do you ever know. No, so you're even out. when I'm local, I'm at a hotel and it's, it, you know, I, I feel like these rock stars who wrote songs about the road. Oh my <laughs> God, does it get old? Yeah. You know, it's not fun living you, in a hotel room. If you're biking all day and then you're doing news in the evening and you eat at some restaurant and you go back to the hotel and you do it again the next day. After two, three days, you're like, really? This is my life now? Bike, hotel, bike, hotel. It's terrible. Imagine doing that all year round. But what I was saying is, I forget how hard the bike ride is until I'm in it. Um, I bike all the time, but like I said, I only do about 100 miles a week. I'll go for a 40-mile bike ride on Monday, and then I'll do a 20-mile bike ride on Wednesday, then I'll do another 35-mile bike ride Friday. But during Gojo, it's 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 miles a day. 
And I forget how painful that is yeah, until I'm all, doing it. Only five parts of your body touching that bike, yes. and, and one of them gets real sore. But it's like women <laughs> who say they 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 have a child, they forget the pregnancy. How you know it's nine months, it's painful. Every year I start the bike ride, I'm like, oh god, why am I doing this again? Like Tuesday, I'll be like, really? It's nine in the morning. I got a bike all day, and then again Wednesday, same. It's it's bad. Somebody's gonna have to tell you to stop, though, right? You're not <laughs> you're not just gonna. I don't think I, I'm looking forward to it already. Yeah, I forgot I was gonna the pain say, after just a month. You're very passionate about it. I'm ready to go, brother. I'm ready to go. I met you once. I have a funny story about, about meeting you once. And, and, and here you, we go. You probably won't remember Was it this. at Super Dads? Not, no. Not, well, that was the second time I met you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were at a uh, a fundraiser together about a decade or so ago. There was a, 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 a young uh, family man, uh, Husband um, had, had uh, cancer, very sick. They had a huge fundraiser for him, and and you were there. And this was one of those all hands on deck fundraisers. Okay, the, the whole community showed up, and everybody that could do anything w- was there. And and I don't exactly remember why you were there, but but clearly it was Joe. Can you come? And you couldn't say no, and you said yes, and you went. So so you were there, and I don't know that you had any actual identifiable role so jump over to me who also gets invited to go nobody knows who i am and at that time uh i you know was doing a lot of photography for the for the newspaper um so they said you know take some photos while you're there uh so i said great okay i'll I'll do that i'm (laughs) taking photos of the scene and what's going on so while we're there there we are somebody gets the idea that people will pay 10 bucks to have their photo taken with joe snedeker and they said to me, will, will you do it? Why don't I remember it? Is, well, is this it, a true story? This is a true story, right? So <laughs> so I said, sure, I'll take photos of people with, with, with Joe Snedeker, right? So in my mind, people are going to come up and they're going to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm. Why did you get picked to be the guy to take pictures of people with me? That's weird. You well, were the I guy was the there. guy with the camera, right? <laughs> okay. So they were just, and, and you were there. And I think they thought, well, we, he's here and we got to do something with him. And I, I think at one point they put you up on the stage and you thanked everyone for coming, but they were trying to get something more out of you. So somebody somewhere came up with the idea. People will pay to have their photo taken with Joe Snedeker. So I said, sure, I'm happy to do that. And in my mind, people would walk up and they'd say, my name is Frank Jones. I live at, you know, uh, 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Okay. You know, here's where you mail the photo. Yeah. And, and they give me 10 bucks. Right. What happened was people were so excited to have their photo taken with you. They were just handing me the 10 bucks. And I was saying to them, you know, Hey, I need to know who you are. I need to know how to get the email address, something. And people, "Ah, just just take the photo. You'll find me. Joe will find me. Somebody will find me. So I have probably a hundred photos of you with not one of them ever found its way to anybody who paid to have their photo taken with you. And, And nobody, they just wanted to give the money and have their photo taken That's with funny. it. That's funny. So these are like digital photos somewhere. Just somewhere, yeah. <laughs> and no, like it was. I was amazed. I was like, you got to at least want the photo. But what they really wanted was just to be in the photo funny. with you. I love it. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe they thought they were going to show up on the NEP website or something. I'm not sure. But yeah, people what town were, was this in? Uh, it was in Scranton. It was oh, at the Ice Box. That's funny how I forget these. Yeah, things. it was. It was, yeah. it was the Ice Box. Um, <laughs> it was pretty cool though. It was my first look at you, but I, I got to see how people responded to you, and and it was fun because uh, you know you were you were having fun. You were you were clowning around, and and you were being great with with uh, with, with people. But I, I that struck me though. I thought you know. Here's this guy, and, and people are willing to pay to have their photo taken with them, and, and they don't even care if they ever get the photo. They just wanted to be. I, I that's funny. I took it as they just wanted to be next to you for two minutes and, and yuck it, it up. I'm honored. And, 
and and you know and and move along. So the, the, um, what you may have noticed there, and I'm not, I'm not the life of the party kind of guy that a lot of people think I am. I don't know. No, you're not. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, you know, in high school, I was just your average guy. You know, no one would say he's the class clown or anything. Even in college, I wasn't the party animal. And even now, um, I don't like being in front of people at all. Ever, I'm not one to. I was at. They had to literally pull my teeth out just to get me to speak at my high school for a graduation ceremony. I just hate attention. Believe it or not, it's funny, but you're very approachable. People yeah, come off. I up know to how you to and, turn it on, but I don't like it. I rather not. I think I rather be a hermit. <laughs> So if you could be one of those guys like living out in a, a cabin in the, uh, I think uh, I don't you go know that far. I, it's weird. My personality, like everyone out there and I'm sure yours too. Like I like it, but I don't, you know, I want to be in the background. I've always been the instigator because I, this is the answer. I just solved my own problem. <laughs> You're Woody I know, Woodpecker. I know, You're an instigator. <laughs> I know all the things to do to entertain people. I just don't want it to be me. <laughs> So I would always get some of my friends, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And some of them were really outgoing people and they would do it. But now that it's my job, I know what to do. I'll do it, but I'd rather not. So that's where I'm at in life. The instigator. <laughs> are, are, you, are you the instigator at, at home as well? Are you always uh, yeah, pushing buttons? Times, yeah. And- yeah. I'll, I'll, I, I, I like to just, yeah, constantly with my wife and my kids. And I like to bring people into uncomfortable situations. I think because it takes the heat off me again. So you're not talking to me. We're talking about this situation I created. Are, are you the guy who can talk to anybody? You're on an elevator. You're uh, really, at, you know at the those, checkout at the grocery store. Yeah, you know those? Yes. You're the guy having a conversation. I'm the guy because I, <laughs> I want to make their life easier and better. They, you know, don't become your dad, that insurance commercial. <laughs> you're that guy. I'm that guy in every situation. <laughs> the one where he's like on the elevator and there's a person there. They, I think, have a shirt and it says France on it mm-hmm. or something. And the guy's like. Un va la plage. And they're like, dad, shut up. I'd be me. That's you. That's me. <laughs> I love it. And I love to bug waitresses and waiters. That's excellent. Oh, God, yeah. I love it. Can you go on public? Does everybody, everybody around here know who you are? Everywhere I go, uh, I'm, uh, I'm recognized and I love it. So maybe I crave the attention in an awkward way. I don't. I don't diss it. I love it. I like it. It's kind of a funny duality. You you, you love the attention. But and, yet I don't want to be the center of attention. Yeah. I can't figure it out myself. Go go figure. It, it is interesting that you mentioned that that fundraiser because that, or, or when you said you weren't the life of the party, I, I actually did notice that, that you would have stood there quietly and not said or done anything unless somebody approached you. You weren't like standing over in the corner juggling, you know, no, flame just, balls yeah. and, you know, you were, you were, you were just, you know, you were there because they asked you to be there. And, and if, if someone came up to you, you were the Joe Snedeker we all know, but, but when people weren't engaging you, yeah, you, you weren't doing cartwheels or, no, you know, I don't want to do anything like that. My buddy who owns a bar up in Carbondale, um, they had a benefit a few weeks ago and he, he said, uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to pull you up on stage and I want you to thank everybody for coming. I'm like, please don't do that. Yeah. Well, you know, I just want to go. I want to watch the band. Please no. And he did it anyway, but I just hated that. You know, I hate that situation. You're just dying. And you feel like you're, do you feel like you're forced at that point to, to be on? Yeah. Then I like have he, to be on like the old Seinfeld thing. No one wants to be on, do they? <laughs> Everyone acts different in front of their mother-in-law or their son or their boss, but you have to be on. I'm on now. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> world famous podcast man i kind of like this when i'm not on. on so i don't know what the answer is i have no idea but it is tough though you're just sitting there you're I don't know your who business. i am who am i ed who are you you're you're 
complex and uh, <laughs> available. And uh, you know what I want you to do? I want you to get my wife here and talk about me when I'm gone. That that'll be good. That'll be a good bit. Do part two have uh, have have uh, your your wife's first name is uh, the lovely Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. Um. Have Dawn come in and and give us the. No, you know what? Just scrap that. I. I, I... <laughs> I want to know the dark side of Joe Snedeker from, from your wife. Oh, dark. You know, like they do on that. What's the, is it, uh, um, uh, Axos where they do the, you know, the dark side of the nineties and, uh, dark side. What would she say is my dark side? She's always criticized me for, um, Oh, uh, Oh, there is a dark side. Why don't you, you no fun at weddings. Why don't you want to go here with this? Why don't you want to go over here? I don't like to go places where I don't know anybody and it's not a familiar situation. Like, does anybody though? Like, I, 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 I'm kind of with you. Yeah, I, no, I, I no. You, you don't talk to any of my friends, you know, like, no, no. Was, <laughs> was the, was the pandemic a struggle for you? Like, because pandemic you, you like to be out. I remember like to... telling everybody my life didn't change at all. A lot of people had that experience, right? No, no life change at all during the pandemic. So you went to work, you rode your bike and yeah. you did your thing. And I, no life change at all. How about that? The only thing that did change, it, like most people, uh, you, you lost the, the FOMA, the fear of missing out, right? Right. So I didn't have that, which was great. But I hated teaching at Marywood. Distance. Virtually, yeah. It was terrible. Virtual teaching, and then we had to wear the masks for a semester. And then um, no interaction. Don't touch the desk. Don't touch the students. Like, when I'm teaching at Marywood, I'm standing on the desks. Yeah. Uh, you're all you over the place yeah, yeah. i'll go right to the kid's face and i'll pull out their cell phone out of their hand and now i can't do anything i have to stay away or have this mask on i hated that part do you see teaching as something that you you would continue to do um if the day comes when you decide to, to decide to walk away from or retire from broadcasting is is teaching something that you'll continue doing this is your answer to that ed i wake up i teach during the fall and spring semesters tuesdays and thursdays so i wake up at 3 a.m and then I go to WNEP and I work from four until 11 a.m. And then from noon until three, I'm doing my class at Marywood. It's a one hour, it's a three hour, one lecture class, meteorology, oceanography, geology. So when that alarm goes off on Tuesdays and Thursdays <laughs> at 3 a.m., isn't it funny how the human brain is? The first thing I think is, oh my God, I have to go to WNEP. And then teach. Oh my God, the the things that go through my head, because you know when you wake up, you're a different person. Yeah. And then when I'm leaving Marywood University on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm like, that was the best day of my <laughs> life, baby. It's funny, you're like two different people because it's so fulfilling. I love teaching. I love the kids, and I love the students, and I love interjecting knowledge into them and learning from them. But when that alarm goes off at 3 a.m. and I think I got to go teach. And do my other job. I'm like, Snedeker, what have you done? And then when I'm leaving, it's the best day ever. So I don't know what the answer is. I love teaching, but yeah, it adds complexity to life. Sure does. But it's fulfilling. And will I do it after 16? I think so. Tell us a little bit about you that would surprise us like are you secretly like a sculptor or working on cold fusion or something <laughs> like you know you know we all know that you, you're 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 a funny guy and I you're, like you're the entertaining sculptor thing uh, how about because <laughs> it's similar I, I i used to paint a lot i'm artsy really yeah okay i have paintings in my house that i have made um and i love uh doing 
crafty things around the house, which is a surprise for a lot of folks. So can projects we- now I'm not going to Michael's or anything, not like that, but it's more, you know, fix this, paint that, create this, move this furniture around. Um, I have my whole man cave, which is probably two or three times bigger than this room, which is pretty small. Um, I have the entire thing distressed wood look and I did myself by painting it. So I love doing stuff like that. And do you actually have paintings like, like actual, yeah, I have a, I have a painting of the earth rising above the lunar landscape. It's a pretty good. I oh, think. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm a, I, I am, I'm very artsy. I jokingly said sculptor or working on cold fusion, and I was half expecting you to give me an answer about cold fusion, but I, I'm kind of intrigued by no, the fact the that you're, you're an it's artsy thing. No, it's the artsy thing. It's the artsy thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh, As a matter of fact, the, the picture on my Facebook page, do we want to go there? Yes. I'm gonna, even though this is, this is, let's see, see cover photo. That's my painting. How do you feel about this painting here? That I did. Does that look at that? Win your approval or no? Holy cow! Yeah, and and uh, is the inspiration? That's beautiful. Is the inspiration the uh, the famous Apollo shot? You know, when they're they take the picture of the the Earth setting behind the. So moon? it's a it's a painting of the Earth rising above the moon. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound wrong, <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's not narcissism. So what I did was, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I found out what phase the moon was in on the day I was born, February 19th, 1966. And I imagine being on the moon, what would the earth look like on the day I was born? So that is. That's what it. How about that? Uh, from the moon, what phase the moon was in when I was born. Now, I know what you're thinking. Narcissist. No, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> the reason I chose that is because I wanted to illustrate how insignificant I am or anyone is in the grand scheme of the whole universe. This was my way of saying, I mean nothing at all. You're a speck. We can't see. I'm a speck of nothingness in a vast arena of nothingness. My <laughs> life means nothing. So it's the opposite of narcissism. I did that for that reason. If that makes any sense. It does make sense, but yeah. I, I uh, it's, it's a great painting. Can we uh, include that in the article? Can we grab put that it on there? Look at the page? detail of the intertropical convergence zone clouds. It's not where I was going to go with it. I was going to say, you really got the shape of Africa, right? But uh, yeah, You the, can see the Sahara the, Desert. The, the clouds look good too, Joe. Yeah, if anyone goes to my Facebook page, that's the cover uh, uh, I chose, the cover image. So, yeah. Right. But again, it's not me saying, look at how important I am. It's I, I mean nothing. And that was I, the reason I chose that angle. I, I appreciate you coming in here. I, I get the feeling that although it took me... I don't know. I'm going to lie and say months. It was probably more like I weeks months. to get you months in to get you in here. But you could do this for as long as I'd let you. Right. I can go for hours. Yeah. You really, you really. And, because and, I like chatting with you and having, you know, these informative, interesting conversations and bizarre stuff and giving my opinion on things. I love it. <laughs> you said that at the, uh, at the, at the top of the podcast that you could literally do this for hours. And I thought, eh, maybe, but uh, after, after an hour or so with you, I realized, yeah, you, you, you can did, did you like some of my excuses that I gave you? Because they weren't excuses. I, what were they? It was a vacation one week. Oh, why, why you couldn't come week. in? Why well, couldn't I come in and do this? Well, you were you were really pressed up against the deadline for uh, Gojo. So you had a lot of appearances going on, a lot of work-related functions. You had a home improvement project, and I believe you had... <laughs> You were out of town twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, ocean and mountains or something. And, but I uh, was brought up a Catholic I, uh, Catholic boy. I was an altar boy. So I feel like I have to go to confession. I lied a little bit. Some of those excuses were just that. The truth is, I 
every day of my life is so jammed up with things that are, you probably, you wouldn't say they're important that I didn't want to waste an hour of my life coming. here. You know what I mean? So I could have easily said any day you emailed me, how about this Tuesday? But that Tuesday I'd have to go for a bike ride or that Tuesday I have to cut the grass. I didn't really have to cut the grass or that Tuesday I'm taking my dog for a walk. You see what I'm saying? You, you show up here today so and you, you're, you're carrying a, a, a backpack and you look like <laughs> I was gonna say, you, the only you, reason I'm doing this you, today you is you look why like you're going a million miles an hour and, and you're, you're literally, uh, you, you have your whole day planned. You, you, so. you left work, you're having your car work done. You stop in here for a podcast. You're going to sneak a workout in, go back and get the car and God only That's knows the what other reason today worked because a mile up the road. Matt Bernie Honda is doing an oil change for me. And I thought, hey, this is great. I'll walk a mile. It's a mile here. Get my oil change while I'm here and walk back. And I'm thinking, perfect. Instead of sitting in the waiting room like an idiot, I get a workout and I get to do this. I could go sit in a podcast like an idiot. Nah, this with, is great. And spend time with another idiot. No, not at all. And then after this, I'm going to walk back, pick up my car, go home, cut the grass, take my dog for a walk, go to bed, wake up and go to WDP tomorrow. Woo! Damn. <laughs> I got to get out more, man. <laughs> what do you mean? I got to get out more. I, I, I'm, I'm here, uh, you know, I'm here during the day and, and, uh, you know, I, maybe, maybe I, I, I need to fill my day up with, uh, these, these plans. Here, walking the dog. Walking the dog. Just, <laughs> yeah, I have to do stuff at all times. Um, and I, I hope that inspires some people because I always say this, honestly, and I mean this on your deathbed, are you going to say, I wish I blanked more? To all those people who sit around and watch Netflix or watch football on Sunday or, or just, uh, you know, complain. Life is for living, man. And this is it. So I try to jam every minute of living uh, and doing things that when I'm on my death, that I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I spent all those hours with my kids or my wife or went for bike rides or painted this or fixed that. And I'm going to be satisfied. And that's a good life. You're having fun. Oh, God, yeah. You're a happy guy. Got to, got to, yeah. I truly am. I love it. Uh, Joe Seneca, thank you uh, so much for, for uh, coming in. Uh, it was worth the wait, man. It, it, I, I Like I said, we we met before, but I knew you'd be a, a great guest because I knew you'd be real and I knew you'd be fun. And, and I appreciate you taking the time to come in here and chat with us. Now, maybe I have a podcast called Mr. Curiosity. You come in and we just have some fun because what we do is we answer viewer questions. And you'll help answer them. Deal. It'll be like a yeah. radio TV question and answer session. I, I'm, I'm happy to come in. I have no idea what I can uh, bring to uh, the podcast uh, other than uh, a heartbeat. Uh, no, but, you'll bring a lot of good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to do it for you. Uh, and I do appreciate you uh, coming in. Uh, Joe Snedeker, thanks so much. Now, wait, one last thing. Okay. I have an enlarged prostate. I'm 57 years old. I have to go pee. Where's the bathroom? We're gonna shut this down. I'm gonna I'm gonna point Joe to the wastebasket in the corner. Uh, I will, of course, give him privacy and step out of the room for a moment. I yeah. made it an hour. <laughs> you made it an Whoa! hour. <laughs> Joe, thanks for coming in. <laughs> Got it.